the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis, Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Wildfires continue to rage out of control in California, and forecasters are worried about more lightning storms being predicted today. Cal Fire spokesman Bryce Bennett says the weather is a big problem. This is a major concern for us because now we have over 13,000 firefighters out on the lines battling these fires in remote areas that should lightning occur, we have to pull back and retreat to safety while a lightning storm passes so that we don't injure anyone from a lightning strike. Forecasters also worry about high winds that could spread the flames even further amidst tender dry brush. The blazes have destroyed nearly 1,000 homes and other structures and forced tens of thousands to evacuate. President Trump has issued a disaster declaration. This is SRN News. Mark Levin expresses his feelings about Joe Biden's VP choice. Joe Biden can never be a historic figure. Kamala Harris, who they say is a historic figure because of her race and her genitalia, has done nothing historic. And God forbid, should they win and should she move into the presidency, she'll be historic, all right. She'll be historic for the mayhem, the damage, the destruction that she imposed on the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Mark Levin, weeknights at 8 on AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. With photos and videos from our events, news updates, live streaming, and yes, maybe even a selfie or two, the latest and greatest way to connect with The Patriot is to follow us on Instagram. Just simply search for AM1280ThePatriot on Instagram and we will be there. Just past 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities, take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Sunny today and high of 87, and we got the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker coming up next right here on AM1280ThePatriot. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We 
are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Millville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code MINNEAPOLIS for 20% off. Whoa, look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his direction. Hold on, what time is it? It is 4 o'clock Sunday, and what does that mean? That means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and I want to thank you all for joining once again to those regular listeners, and welcome. To those who have heard from hither and yon that they've got to tune in at 4 o'clock on Sundays to learn and gather from Smart Plain Talk on politics, Israel, and the law. Each Sunday at 4 o'clock, we talk politics, Israel, and the law, and this Sunday is no different as we have a very special program for you this Sunday as we are joined by one of the senior officials from the Consul General's Office of the State of Israel to the United States, specifically to the Midwest, uh, Ariella Rada. And uh, Ms. Rada will be joining us momentarily to talk about Well, historic events in the Middle East. And believe me, you know, some say, well, it's a peace deal with a small country, you know, big deal. No, it is. It it is reverberations are being felt throughout the Middle East and, frankly, well beyond. Uh, It is a very big deal, and we want to tell you why that is, give you the context for why that is, so you learn a little bit more about Middle East peace and peace for Israel with its neighbors. And believe me, if there were a day when peace came to the Middle East and Israel had normalized relations with all of its neighbors, including with a uh, potentially a Palestinian uh, state, it would be wonderful for the world. Why? Well, it would release and uh, uh, cause a huge outgrowth of economic expansion in the Middle East, human rights, uh, as well as really uh, peace and calm. And in that area of the world, 
It can mean a lot for many other areas of the world. So uh, we're going to talk uh, with uh, Ariella in a few moments, uh, but stay with us throughout the hour because toward the end of the show, I am going to give you some thoughts, my thoughts, regarding the Democratic National Convention, which just concluded this past week, the Republican Convention coming up uh, this coming week. And we are right in the middle of hot political season. And I'm going to make a prediction. Yes, this early on out uh, this far from the November 3 election, I'm going to make a prediction regarding who will be the next president of the United States. Uh, It is a fool's errand to do so at this early stage, and I have not uh, spoken of it, but I intend to do so later in the hour today. So let's uh, bring on Ariella Rada, who is uh, at the Consul General Office of uh, Israel to the Midwest. She is the Academic and Community Affairs uh, Consul at the Consul General's Office. She joined the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs in 2015. Uh, She was appointed Deputy Chief of Mission of the Israeli Embassy previously uh, to Peru, where she was responsible for politics, press, culture, and international aid. Uh, She has a degree in in government and a master's in conflict uh, resolution at a school near and dear to my heart, IDC Herzliya, one of the best government relations, international relations, and counterterrorism schools in the entire world, uh, and a school that my son is attending presently. Ariella, welcome to the Victory Hour. Hey, Andrew, thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me, and it's absolutely a pleasure being here with you, talking about all the topics that you mentioned. So I'm really excited. Excellent. I, you know, I want to jump right in and uh, note for everyone that Ariella speaks uh, for uh, the Israeli uh, embassy, uh, at least in the uh, Midwest, but the Israeli uh, ambassador to the United States as there are different satellites throughout the country. And Ariella is stationed here in the Midwest out of Chicago. Uh, and it is really the liaison of the Israeli government uh, to the United States. Ariella, tell us a little bit about what folks may be somewhat mystified about or may not know the context or the background about the peace deal uh, that was announced without uh, much context or previous or, or history really between the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, and the sole only Jewish state in the world, the uh, state of Israel. The, the peace deal, tell us a little bit about the context and what uh, some of the provisions are in the deal. Okay, so first of all, I think that this marks, uh, I want to start by saying that it marks uh, a historical day. 
it, uh, it, we are very, very much excited to see, you know, what the future will bring. Uh, but this historical uh, agreement is uh, definitely important and significant to all the region, to all the Middle East, uh, you know. And uh, one of the things that I look at, you know, as interesting is that uh, when you read the newspapers and coverage, there was a lot of uh, articles talking about the fact that, you know, uh, a peace with an Arab country not, is not something that can happen without a peace with the Palestinians. And it was something that repeated itself constantly uh, in, in different uh, media coverage. And I think that this specific uh, uh, agreement, as you said, is, is a kind of uh, an example of the fact that it's not necessarily, you don't need to, you know, uh, solve one conflict in order to have a peace agreement with another Arab country. So I think this will be like one of the highlights. Uh, it's an example to the fact that you can formate uh, a peace agreement with other Arab countries while you're working and in process of working or of negotiating and having a peace agreement, of course, with the Palestinians, which is something that Israel has been trying to do uh, for many, many years. Um, so we did have one of the things that I can share is that we do, we do have uh, talks that we are conducting with not only our allies and, and our friends and, and states and countries that we want to, uh, to engage and have uh, cooperation, economic cooperation and polit political cooperation, but also with countries that we, not, we don't necessarily have uh, a, a relationship, like diplomatic relationship with. Uh, and this... Actually, this agreement shows that, you know, not everything that you see is the, the only thing exists. And so we've been ha holding um, talks uh, with different uh, countries. And this is a result of one of those, you know, confidential uh, um, conversations that we had. Yeah, so you've got secret conversations going on all the time. This one got a breakthrough. And as a result of that breakthrough... A peace deal is uh, is established, is created, ultimately negotiated back and forth, final terms, and signed and announced. Uh, and the world, uh, you know, I don't know if there was shock, but there was probably at least surprise. Uh, and now uh, there is potential for other peace deals. I want to talk uh, on the other side of this break, Ariella, a little bit about what the peace deal is with the UAE, and what other peace deals might come in the works, particularly, and, and this is important, in light of the fact that Saudi Arabia recently announced that at least for them there will be no peace deal until the Palestinian, a Palestinian peace deal is forged. Now that may be their public position uh, because they feel they need to have that position, uh, but it is what they announced and that might chill some other peace deals that are potentially in the works. Make sure you stay with us, and we're going to talk more with Ariella Rada from the Consul General, General's Office of the State of Israel on the other side of this break. In the meantime, and while we're on this short break, go to what many refer to as an award-winning website, and that is Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to Parker DK. 
Bluenile.com. We'll be right back. I walk the line. AM 1280, The Patriot. Mark Twain once quipped, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. Is a verbal contract really only as good as the paper it's written on? This is Andrew Parker from the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently represented a client in a claim for unpaid compensation. He was promised payment of $1.8 million in bonuses. His employer refused to pay, citing no written contract. We went to work. After investigation and litigation, we won the case and recovered $2.3 million for our client. Our experienced trial lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country. We have legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, and financial transactions and appeals. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard a premier law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Go to ParkerDK.com. We are back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and I am joined this week for a special hour of the Victory Hour. With Ariel Arada, who is the Consul for Academic and Community Affairs at the Consul General's Office of the State of Israel, the part of the uh, Israeli Embassy in the United States, located in the Midwest, and that is in Chicago. And Ariella joins us, as we're honored, uh, to hear from the voice in the Midwest from, of the State of Israel. And we're talking about the historic peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Ariella, tell us, what are the foundational points that are in the peace deal? And are there next steps in terms of the normalization of relations between Israel and the UAE? Yes, so basically, the, the, I can say that the implications of this historical uh, peace agreement uh, between Israel and the UAE will include mainly, you know, the mutual opening of embassies, uh, direct flight, 
uh, and many other uh, bilateral agreements. And, uh, you know, I can tell you and share with you that one of the things that Israelis are more uh, excited right now is that the fact that they will be able to fly and visit those places that, that they couldn't visit until now. You know, a lot of people aren't aware of that, Ariella. They're not aware that Israelis are unable to mm-hmm. enter Arab countries, including the UAE, and now they are able to. Exactly. This is something that a lot of Israelis were dreaming of, and they they saw it, you know, on TV, and they wanted to visit, but they couldn't just because they are Israelis. So right now they're very excited and starting to plan their 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 mutual visit, um, you know, in Israel uh, and also there. So this is a, a very exciting time for time for us, and, and I can tell you that I and we think that this agreement has established a, a visionary future of peace and prosperity for, you know, all the generations to come. And, and, and this uh, peace agreement has shown that you can put, you know, arguments and, and, and things aside in order to have a better future in terms of economic and mutual cooperation and safety of the region. So those are like the main implications of this uh, this history. Uh, Beautiful. And of course, we are happy, hope, hoping that more countries will come. Uh, yeah, let's talk and, about and that a minute. Let's talk about other peace deals, other countries, and the political realities in the Middle East related to that. I I, I would just opine that uh, you know the UAE probably had the uh, perhaps one of the more moderate or the most moderate uh, governments, but not only that, in the streets of the UAE, they had become much more modernized than many of the other uh, Arab countries. And because of that, uh, the leadership in the UAE may felt may have felt uh, uh, open to and, and an available opportunity to make peace with Israel where it would not cause revolution uh, in their streets, whereas the Saudis may feel a bit differently about that. Uh, but Bahrain, for example, Qatar, uh, maybe not so much, but Oman, uh, some of the other Gulf states may be the next to join in all of the benefits of a peace deal with Israel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I can tell you that in in my eyes, you know, up until... Two weeks ago, most of the world didn't even believe that we can have a peace agreement with the uh, United Arab Emirates, right? So I, I actually think that this peace can be applicable to all uh, countries in the region. And, and I think that it's just because of the understanding that of, of different, you know, um, uh, milestones and different activities that are happening right now in the Middle East. And the, the desire to to uh, um, to find an advanced security and stability across the region, uh, I think that this and the fact that the world is experiencing right now with the COVID and and the climate change and so many other uh, challenges that we are that we are facing, there are things that are being pushed aside. Uh, in order to find a better solution that will, you know, ensure a better future for all of us. I think that that's the main reason why, you know, countries will uh, hopefully be uh, willing to come out and, and, you know, and do the same step as the uh, 
the UAE. Uh, I I can't right now. I mean, as as I mentioned, yeah, and, and you probably can understand why I can't uh, specify or mention, you know, names of of countries that we are talking with. But you can be assured that those conversations are are ongoing, uh, and it's not even if it's not in the media, even if it's not. Um, published is something that is happening under the surface. Uh, so I can't mention the names of, you know, potential uh, countries that will uh, follow along. We do hope that all of them will. But I can tell you that this agreement uh, uh, actually marks the third formal peace uh, agreement between Israel and the Arab nations. Uh, as uh, you probably know, you know, Israel sure. uh, and Egypt was the first uh, in uh, 79 and then Jordan in 94 and now, and we do hope that we will be able to come back to your show and uh, share with you, uh, you know, more and more uh, agreements that was signed with other, with different Arab countries. Outstanding. We hope, uh, we hope that is the future uh, as well. And while you can't uh, discuss specifics, uh, we can confirm there is activity uh, going on, and that is uh, important in and of itself. You know, many talk about uh, a central issue. Some, this is uh, all they know about Israel, is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And for many, that has been going on their entire life. Uh, For both Jews and non-Jews here in the United States, certainly uh, in Israel as well. Uh, For others, uh, the conflict... Uh, only began, uh, you know, well into their lives. But the point is that it has taken on uh, a life of its own, the Palestinian peace process. And one of the reasons that you've got to believe that the UAE signed this deal with the Israelis, as opposed to taking the position that there must be Palestinian peace first, is because the Palestinians have refused for the better part of a decade, uh, to come to the negotiating table, uh, despite the fact that the Israelis have been there. Way- you know, uh, so I think, uh, first of all, this, uh, you know, uh, so I think, uh, first of all, this, uh, you know, uh, peace agreement is hopefully a way to make the Palestinians see that there is, you know, a different option and that, that uh, the door is always open for negotiation. But as you mentioned, for years and years, we were trying to hold a direct, and this is something that I want to emphasize, a direct negotiation with the Palestinians without anybody else that is, you know, trying to to um, to navigate or help. We do believe, and we always repeated the fact that we do believe that a negotiation and a peace agreement can be achieved uh, only throughout uh, direct talks and conversations. And negotiation, and throughout the years, it was very uh, difficult or impossible for the Palestinian side to come and sit on the table. And instead, they preferred to go, you know, to international court or to the international community uh, instead of of talking directly with with Israel. Uh, so we do hope that this marks, you know, the opening in the beginning, as you said, and uh, the example of. The fact that, you know, a direct negotiation is the way to resolve every, uh, 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 everything. Uh, and so we're waiting for the Palestinians to come. 
Uh, as you mentioned, we did try in the past a uh, few times, uh, and we we I can't give you an I, you know assessment of how long is it going to take. I can tell you that we are open uh, as we always been to uh, talk directly with the Palestinians, and uh, and the door is always open. We we always wanted just to to uh, talk with them, even when we had the. Um, peace initiative of, you know, Trump, which is uh, an excellent uh, 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 plan, uh, we always, there was a talk and, and people that says, like, why should they come? And we said, this peace agreement is a start, right? It's a beginning. You have to meet first and to negotiate about, you know, things that we want, things that they want. Uh, but in order to even start the process moving, you need to have a partner that will be willing to talk to you. You know, one of the um, things that people are not, uh, they, they don't see in the press and the media, which are the only, uh, is the only information oftentimes that they have regarding the conflict, is the fact that Palestinian and Israeli leader, leaders, many of them, have uh, known each other, even if it's from a distance, but oftentimes uh, they they uh, deal with security together, for example, and and they know each other and they know the interests that the other has and the parameters or boundaries that the other has and what they can and cannot do. These relationships exist. Uh, we are, of course, cousins in, in many uh, respects. And so when we come back on the other side of this break... I want to talk to you a little bit about some of those realities that Palestinians and Israelis are closer than most people think. And it's the type of relationship that can seem completely tattered and torn and destroyed at a moment. And the next moment, a peace deal arises out of, out of seemingly nowhere. Now, it's much more difficult with Hamas in in uh, in play uh, because they don't want to see a peace deal, but uh, there are many moderates in the Palestinian community uh, that do, and so you know people wring their hands and say we're so far from a deal. I'm not so sure about that. We're going to talk a little about that on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about potential elections in the state of Israel and learn about the electoral system in the. Uh, in the Jewish state, and if we have time, we'll talk about COVID-19 uh, as well and how it is affecting uh, Israel during this difficult pandemic time. We are joined today by Ariella Rada from the Consulate General of the State of Israel to the United States, and that is in the Midwest out of Chicago. And we're talking uh, about Israel and the current peace deal with UAE and how that changes the landscape uh, for Middle East peace. AM 1280, The Patriot. How can you protect your company's most valuable proprietary information? This is Andrew Parker of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. We recently represented a local manufacturing company in an employment lawsuit. Our client learned that a longtime employee was leaving the company to join a direct competitor. The employee intended to help the competitor develop an automated manufacturing system that was a copy of our client's system. The employee did not have a non-compete agreement with our client. We nonetheless filed suit 
and brought an immediate motion to prevent the employee from beginning work with the competing company. We won, and the employee was prohibited from working for the competitor. Parker Daniels Keyboard's attorneys have been advising companies on employment law matters for decades. And if you find yourself in court, our attorneys are some of the toughest and most experienced employment trial lawyers around. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to parkerdk.com. Mark Twain once quipped, A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. Have you ever loved a woman? We are back. It's the Victory Hour. Thank you for joining us coast to coast, live streaming. Watching us on Facebook, which most each week we have available. It'll be uploaded this week. You can go and find us on Facebook. You can go to parkerdk.com where you'll see the full library of well over, I gotta believe, uh, over 150 shows uh, at parkerdk.com. Or you can just go to podcast, put in my name, Andrew Parker, and you can get all the episodes there as well. Well, we are honored again today to have Ariel Arada with us from the Consulate General's Office of the State of Israel. And we are talking about the Middle East, the new landscape in the Middle East, since the third peace deal between Israel and one of its Arab neighbors, this time one of the Gulf state neighbors, and that is the United Arab Emirates. This is a significant peace deal. Uh, It starts and really kicks off what may become uh, a series of peace deals with other Arab uh, neighbors, not just the three already that have been signed over the last several decades. And the activity is feverish to uh, move to peace. Rather than Cold War, move to a warm peace uh, between Israel and its neighbors. There will be economic benefit to it. There will be social justice benefit to it. There will be a sociological benefit to it. Uh, and uh, 
It may lead to better times between the Palestinians and the Israelis as well. Speaking about uh, Palestinian peace, uh, Ariella, is there thought about whether peace can be made or had with uh, Mahmoud Abbas while he is still in the leadership of the Palestinian Authority? Or, or, or is it going to be necessary to move to the next regime of leadership? What are your thoughts on that? So I, I can tell you that we surely hope that we can. Uh, I'm sure that you remember that, you know, when we uh, signed the Oslo Agreement in 1993, it was actually between Shimon Peres and Mahmoud Abbas. And it was the uh, beginning and, you know, of, of the hope uh, of, of, you know, having uh, a total uh, peace agreement in the future. So we do hope that it will happen with Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, I, I can't say if it's if it's something that will happen or not, but I can tell you that the main important thing is to find a partner, a leader that will be willing to do the, not necessarily the easy steps, right? Somebody that will have the courage to take the, you know, the hard steps, the difficult steps, even if he will uh, get uh, criticized, you know, Israel, and as you can see, there is a lot of, you know, criticism that is, is happening in Israel. And if I remind you, the um, 2005, uh, when Israel withdrew from Gaza, Gaza yes. uh, Eric there was Sharon. a lot of criticism, exactly with Eric Sharon, there was a lot of uh, criticism against, you know, the government, against everybody. But at the end, Eric Sharon decided to do it because he had a vision and he hoped that this, Act will show that we really are willing to do, you know, compromises in order to achieve the peace agreement. And believe me, he was, I mean, he got uh, responses from all the side of the political map. Yes. Uh, but he did it at the end. We're not going to talk about what happened, if it succeeded or not, because we can see that it was not very much successful. And now we're experiencing terror from there and, and missiles that are being shot, you know, constantly, constantly from the place that we left in order to, uh, you know, uh, to provide or to, to have this peace agreement. But we do think that this is something that needs to be also in the other side, in the Palestinian side. Both sides we have to somebody, make tough calls. Exactly. Yes. And in order to, to initiate a process, and it's initiating a process, uh, because you need first to come to the table, start the conversation, but you need somebody that will have the courage to do the first step. You know, you speak and about... I hope it is Mahmoud Abbas. Yeah, Mahmoud Abbas, we, we hope, but uh, you speak about Mahmoud Abbas and uh, the 93 Oslo Accords. Uh, you know, I've got two opinions on that. One is uh, Abbas signed those, obviously, with Yasser Arafat uh, at the helm, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, many, many argue that they never had any intention to follow through on that, uh, peace deal. And it wasn't worth the paper that it was written on as shown by their conduct following, uh, the signing of the Oslo Accords, uh, and Abbas being a part of that, uh, may not, 
uh, actually be supportive of uh, you know a peace deal being signed in the future that has much value. It may be uh, to the contrary. But you do point out uh, that Sharon then takes difficult steps politically for sure uh, in Israel to unilaterally provide land uh, without anything in return uh, to the Palestinians in the form of Gaza. Uh, and they turn around and elect Hamas, and Hamas turns around and turns it into a terrorist state. And the fear of that happening again is real in the state of Israel, and it really has shifted the uh, the electorate in the state of Israel to the right. Let's talk about that a minute, elections. There were three elections in the matter of a few months, which is unprecedented in the state of Israel uh, last year, and... They're now talking about there potentially being a fourth if uh, if passage doesn't occur on certain legislation by August 25th, I believe. And this uh, next potential election, when you start looking at it, uh, and and people need to understand that people in the state of Israel, they are right of center, and they are because of the conduct of the Palestinians and security being the number one issue. So I understand that Naftali Bennett uh, is rising in a meteoric fashion in the state of Israel. What do you think, of the, if there were new elections, how they would look? Look, first of all, I want to start by saying that I surely hope that we're not going for another election. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was very difficult to have three elections within less than you know, a year. And here in the consulate, we saw it like very clear uh, because we do have people that come to the consulate to um, to uh, to, you know, uh, um, to elect uh, because they're living abroad and they still have the the right to elect. Right. So in the beginning, in the first one, you saw a lot of people coming in the second time also. And then the third time it was just, oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, So we're hoping that we're not going uh, uh there and if you thought that you know the American political system is is complicated, then let me assure you that the Israeli is probably uh, more complicated. Um, as you mentioned, I mean we do we do have few uh, legislations uh, and the budget issue and in terms of you know where the, where does the budget need to go that they need to resolve. We do have a month or two to to uh, see if we can resolve them and and so we need to wait uh, until you know it will be more clear but i i really hope that we are not going for another election so another month or two i think we are supposed to have a discussion uh, around the end of september beginning of october uh, but as you can see right now i mean uh, the media in israel is talking about the possibility of election and the party themselves are talking about it. Um, but I can tell you that I'm not looking forward to another election, and I do hope that we won't experience another one. So hopefully we can resolve it. Let me, am, I, am I mistaken that, that uh, next Tuesday is some sort of a deadline that you have to yes. either extend it or if you don't extend it, an immediate call for election occurs because you haven't been able to put together a budget? You are correct. It is. It's it's within a week, but we're hoping that it will be extended. It'll get extended. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because in the beginning, I mean, the the decision was supposed to be made 
in early August, and mid, mid-August, and they decided to extend it. Yeah. So we do have one week, uh, but we are hoping that they will extend it further. Well, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting times for our uh, listeners, uh, you know, very, very quickly. The dynamics of putting together a coalition in the state of Israel uh, make what we face here look like romper room, quite frankly. <laughs> and it is, uh, it's, it's uh, crazy times, and that's why there have been uh, so many elections. But it is starting to take form a little bit more with uh, Likud and Neftali Bennett's party and Yamina uh, kind of all coming together, and they may gain enough seats between the three of them. They're very close uh, to get a majority, and that may be a a natural coalition, uh, particularly if um, Israel uh, Betenu joins with them. That is Lieberman, who is the one who you know, broke up the party in the first place. Uh, I I can tell you that in my opinion, and it's not my opinion, it's basically in Israel, the the citizens will at the end will elect the, the, you know, party that will ensure them their security, right? As you said, number one in in the beginning, it's number one. If they think that Netanyahu will provide them with the security they need, just because of the fact we live in, you know, such a complicated region, and security is number one, uh, then they will elect him. Yeah, you know, and Ariella, it's a very it's a very good point, and it's one important I'm going to close on uh, uh, for our time together. Uh, it's, it's a very good point that the Israeli people, when they are uh, living at the end of uh, a spear or, or at the uh, uh, rifle end of a, a gun, uh, Day in, day out, they move to the right, as most people would. But if there were peace in the Middle East, this would be a much more liberal government uh, in the state of Israel, and the world would see that move quite quickly. But they just cannot do it as as we sit here with the realities that they face. Ariella Rada, thank you so much for joining us on the Victory Hour this wonderful Sunday and educating us with some smart plane talk about the Middle East, Middle East peace, and historic changes going on for the state of Israel. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. It was absolutely my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to doing this again. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, I, when I get to Chicago, I'm going to come to the consulate uh, and meet you in person, and I hope to get to, this, to, to Israel uh, this fall. Please do. And as I always say, you know, if you come to the consulate, we will offer you our best Israeli copy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. And take care. Say hi to Aviv for me, please. I sure do. I will. That's Ariel Arada from the Consulate General's Office in the State of Israel uh, here uh, uh, as a part of the uh, Embassy to the United States. Out of Chicago, the Consul General's office, we thank her very much for giving us some of the inside information direct from uh, the government of the state of Israel. We're going to be right back and we're going to talk about the Democratic National Convention and the upcoming Republican National Convention. Make sure to stay with us. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. Go to ParkerDK.com. 
Bet.com. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Mark Twain once quipped, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. Did your employer make you sign a promissory note when joining the company, and now you want to leave but you're afraid your firm will pursue you personally for that debt? This is Jesse Keyboard from the law firm Parker Daniels Keyboard. I recently represented a client who had signed such a note, and I was able to get them out of their $500,000 debt to their company, which allowed them the freedom to exit a bad employment situation and enter a much better one. Meeting our clients' objectives is our focus at Parker Daniels Keyboard, and in this regard, we win. Our experienced trial team of lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country and through arbitration. We have the legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, shareholder disputes, financial transactions, security issues, and appeals. For wise counsel, winning results, Contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier litigation law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Wise counsel, winning results. Go to ParkerDK.com. We are back. It's the Victory Hour this fine Sunday. That was interesting. It was. Uh, it's always good to hear the perspective from Israelis as opposed to getting views here from the United States from people who often have never even been to Israel, let alone have lived there. And uh, it's good to get a perspective from you know, the government of Israel, we hear, uh, particularly from the mainstream left-wing media, consistently a slanted perspective about life in Israel, about how the Israeli government uh, deals with its Palestinian neighbors, deals with its Arab neighbors. And much of it uh, is provably false that is being reported, provably false. Uh, And it is based upon a narrative and an agenda uh, that is uh, driven by those who have a very very narrow world view, a narrow world view that is driven by, if you are perceived to be 
in an underdog position, we will write your story without doing the necessary vetting regarding truth and falsity. We will write the narrative the way you reveal it. And if you are perceived to be in a power position, we will write the opposite. And we will do so with a narrative, an agenda, a bias, if you will, consistently. And that drumbeat will play until the public knows it by heart, knows it by memory, because that's all they know, because that's all they read. Truth and falsity take a sideline position. Journalistic ethics and protocols are put away in the closet. And that's what a lot of people know about the state of Israel, both on the far right and in the mainstream left, because it has seeped that far into the Democratic Party. Mainstream liberal views, so foreign from just a few decades ago of Democratic views, now are telling the story of woe ignoring truth and fact, applying false narratives that have been pounded home like a drumbeat by Palestinian causes, and now by the intersectionality of other protected class causes. In every situation whether you be rich or poor, whether you be of one race or another, whether you be in power or out of power, truth should be the goal. Facts, truth, not setting it aside because it's okay to speak falsities if you are doing so in the defense of, quote-unquote, the victim. No, because... Oftentimes, they are not the victim. They are the ones bringing harm. If an arsonist burns down a building and kills 10 people and he is caught, and in the process of being caught, he uh, is uh, physically assaulted because of his resistance of arrest, does that make him the victim? Assuming it's not excessive force because he resisted arrest, does that make him the victim? Well, he was injured. No. Let's take a look and talk for a minute about uh, the Democratic National Convention. I just want to give you my opinion quickly about it. I know everybody's doing this, and what is my opinion any different or any more important? It isn't. Uh, But it might shed some light a little bit. Uh, It might attack the issue a little differently than others. I'm not going to talk about the individual speeches. I, I will say that I thought Joe Biden's speech was a very good speech for what he was attempting to do and what he was attempting to deliver. 
The only problem with the speech was it was completely dishonest. I believe it was very dishonest. And I call out one specific area. It's not the, you know, it's not the whole speech, but, but it was so dishonest. I have to call it out. And it's, you know, because I have dealt with it on this show a number of times, and that is his reference to the incidents at Charlottesville regarding the President of the United States and what he said and what he didn't say. And the manner in which Joe Biden translated that incident for his own political gain and the use of the false narrative that has been applied by so many to denigrate the President of the United States, when there are so many other ways they can denigrate the President and do so, you know, in a truthful way, if they wish to. But they choose to go after what is clearly a lie. The President did not support the Nazis and the white supremacists there. He never made a statement in support. In fact, he did the exact opposite. And for anyone to say differently is lying. And Joe Biden made it a cornerstone that is now being replayed over and over again in his acceptance speech this week. And it is a disgrace that he did that. He didn't need to do it, first off. But he wanted to do it in order to scare people and people who don't go back and listen to what the president actually said will never know because the media is in cahoots with him. And it's a perfect example. But when you look at the Democratic Party as a whole, did they talk about safety at all? Was that an issue when it is a central issue for people in the United States? No, they didn't. Do they really have policies that help the minority community, black and brown persons throughout the country? Do they really have policies that help? No, they don't. In all of the areas where minority communities exist, not all, but many of them, most of them, liberal leadership has been in power for decades and, it ha- and, and their policies have not worked, nor have they seemingly even cared. Have liberal policies reduced poverty, something that they've talked about fighting since the 60s at least, when LG, L, LBJ t- t- talked about a war on poverty? No. Fairness in immigration or any sort of rules or policies other than everybody's in? No. A better economy from the... De- no. Employment uh, increasing the employment rules? No. GDP increasing? No. Look at Obama and Biden? No. How about a policy on China? Not even mentioned? No. Reducing health care costs? No. Didn't reduce health care. Obamacare did not reduce health care? No. Veterans uh, health and affairs? Not even mentioned? No. How about protecting our allies like the state of Israel? They attacked the state of Israel. No. How about meeting red lines when they set red lines? No, he didn't do that either. Ending racism. Well, they talk a lot about that, pablum. They don't mention ending anti-Semitism. No, they're not a mention of that at all. 
Black Lives Matter has at its foundation of its founding principles anti-Semitic rhetoric. Nobody cares about that. Support for Israel in the Democratic Party? Waning. And those who could fight back aren't. Opposition to Iran? No. AM 1280, The Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot, with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. The most dangerous day for a newborn is her first day of life. Every 31 seconds, an infant dies from infections, pneumonia, malnutrition. But she doesn't have to die. For more than 60 years, Project Hope has been saving lives around the world, delivering medicines and supplies, giving newborns a healthy start, making sure her first day of life is not her last, because everyone deserves hope. To volunteer or learn more about Project Hope, visit projecthope.org slash newborns. Get a $3,900 Konica Minolta copier for your business for just $19.50 through this special offer from Tops and this station. There's only one half-price copier, 